in an online environment, there is definitely a way that digital technology can, can support um, universal design for learning. On the other hand, we do want to be careful that oftentimes in an online environment, uh, it's very easy to uh, pack a lot of things in. We want to be careful that we're not um, overwhelming students, but that we're making sure that we're providing them with the content that, that's necessary in order to reach the, the learning objectives for the course, uh, and also then assessing them along the way. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Christopher Romalek follows up his talk, Inclusive by Design, with a conversation about universal design and what it means for the language classroom. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we welcome Christopher Romalek to our podcast. Dr. Romalek is Professor of Spanish and Coordinator of Spanish and French at Onondaga Community College in Syracuse. He gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on universal design for learning, and we will extend our conversation about the implications for language educators. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Chris. Thank you, Angelica. Thank you, Sam. It's very nice to be here today. Before we talk more about the very informational and inspiring talk you just gave, can you talk a little bit about your background, the research that you do, and your path with languages? Um, sure. So, um, as, as you mentioned, I'm a professor of Spanish at Onondaga Community College in Syracuse, New York. Uh, I'm a coordinator of Spanish and French there as well. Uh, I'm also the chair of the Actful Distance Learning Special Interest Group. Uh, I recently completed uh, the PhD in Instructional Design, Development Woo-hoo! and Evaluation at Syracuse University uh, in uh, just in May 2020, graduated. Uh, for my dissertation, um, I proposed a model of the self-regulated language learning process. And so I'm very interested in uh, how uh, self-regulated learning and can affect uh, the acquisition of a second language. Uh, I'm also, uh, one of my second interests is in uh, faculty professional development. And so, as we talked about today in in the talk uh, that uh, I've been taking part in faculty professional development uh, for universal design for learning uh, for community college faculty. You gave a talk uh, called Inclusive by Design about universal design for learning in the world language classroom uh, here at the LRC or (laughs) over Zoom as as we do now. So (laughs) maybe we could start talking about that by hearing a quick summary of your talk for our listeners. Uh, Sure. So for the talk, uh, I started by um, introducing the universal design for learning framework and explaining uh, how universal design and universal design for learning are Um, are meant to help us to design uh, for all learners from the start and to be proactive in our design as opposed to reactive Mm -hmm. um, and to design from the start instead of trying to retrofit. I provided recommendations that could be used to help make our digital instructional materials more accessible to all learners. And also I provided some strategies for universal designing for learning that could be implemented quickly in the language classroom. Uh, As part of the talk, I ended by telling about some of the work that I've done Uh, to help study the effects of the Universal Design for Learning Academy, which was uh, a multi-day training that was funded by the Onondaga Pathways to Careers Project through a grant from the Office of Disability Employment Policy from the Department of Labor, and in which I was um, a part of that from 2016 through 2019. 
Chris, in your talk, you outlined three principles of UDL, um, multiple means of engagement, of representation, and of action and expression. And you also started, you just mentioned this, with some of the small steps that educators can use even as early as tomorrow. Could you synthesize some of those small steps? What What is something concrete that language educators can do that doesn't take you know, completely revamping their entire curriculum and all of their materials? That's an excellent question. Um, I would say, um, well, one thing uh, from each of, I, I found that there were four sort of categories that I had um, used. I looked at accessibility, multiple means of engagement, multiple means of representation, and multiple means of action expression. And so just one quick thing from each of those, I'd say that in terms of accessibility, um, language instructors can, um, can set the language of text in a document and mark changes in the language uh, in a document, in Word or PowerPoint. Uh, so that's something that's quick and easy and can be done uh, with any new um, resource that we, that we design and develop. Uh, for multiple means of, of engagement, I'd recommend um, having your students um, reflect on their progress in the course. Mm -hmm. uh, they can create reflective journals, for example. Um, for example, at the start of the semester, they can state um, some of the goals that they have for the course. In a later journal, they can break them down to short-term goal, short-term objectives, for example. Uh, from there, what I do with my own students, at least, is I give them prompts throughout the semester based on the six dimensions of academic self-regulation from Zimmerman. So it works well for me because it's easy to remember. Um, so it's the with whom, the what, the where, the when, the why, and the how of learning. Um, with whom refers to seeking help from peers or from your instructor um, and, and working uh, collaboratively with your peers. Mm -hmm. um, the what is uh, self-monitoring and to, uh, to self-assess and to see what progress you've made and then reflect back on what you can do in order to improve. The where is the... Um, uh, the physical environment in which you study and the instructional materials you use, the when, time management, the why, motivation, and then the how of learning are the learning strategies you use. Um, so I prompt students uh, throughout a semester to think about with whom they study, how they ask for help, um, and that sort of thing so that uh, they can continue to think about their own learning and reflect on their progress. For multiple means of representation, uh, they can upload resources to learning management system ahead of time, such as PowerPoints or Word documents. And multiple means of action expression, um, they uh, can provide a model or an example of the type of work that students can do uh, for an assignment. So you just talked about the where and the environment. And one question that actually came up during your talk was if teaching online makes applying UDL easier or maybe even more complicated. Can you address that question again? So what I would say is that, um, that's an excellent question. Uh, so is it easier to use UDL in an online classroom? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that it's easier so much as there are certain ways that um, the digital technology of the online classroom can be helpful in using UDL. Um, for example, um, you may find that you're able to provide more options uh, in terms of how uh, instruction is presented to learners. And that could be something that might be aided in the, in the online environment. Uh, you might be able to, in, within the online environment, um, create, uh, students can take learning paths along the way in a learning environment. So they could, if you have um, content represented in more than one, more than one media, uh, they could 
read, but they could also then follow a video as well. Uh, in an online environment, um, there is definitely a way that digital technology can, can support um, universal design for learning. On the other hand, we do want to be careful that oftentimes in an online environment, uh, it's very easy to uh, pack a lot of things in. Mm -hmm. So many assignments. Um, we want to be careful that we're not um, overwhelming students, but that we're making sure that um, we're, uh, we're providing them with the content that, that's necessary in order to reach the, the learning objectives for the course, uh, and also then assessing them along the way um, to see if they've uh, reached the learning outcomes. So following up on that, What's the difference in applying UDL principles between synchronous and asynchronous online language instruction? One thing that comes to mind is I think about um, one of the suggestions that I had given as part of the talk was um, collaborative activities for, for students uh, to take part in when they're working either in the face-to-face -face classroom or in the synchronous online classroom. The idea of having group roles um, when you're working with, um, with students in a synchronous online classroom is something that can be very helpful for students who may, um, may feel um, anxious speaking aloud on camera in front of a whole class of students in the gallery view on Zoom. Um, what you may find is that when you work in the asynchronous online language um, classroom, you may find that there are other sorts of uh, activities in which learners are taking part uh, where you wanna keep in mind uh, similar ideas. For example, in discussion forums, are there going to be ways that you can offer um, different ways that students can complete uh, assignments in a discussion forum. Uh, and so I would say that there are going to be potentially some differences in the mode of delivery, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, but you'll still want to keep in mind the idea that uh, there could be um, different ways that you can pique learners' interest. There are going to be different ways that learners can complete assignments, whether that's synchronously or asynchronously. Uh, and so providing options for them to be able to um, still reach um, the construct of interest uh, and when it comes to uh, representing uh, information, multiple means of representation, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's in the synchronous or asynchronous class, you will still want to consider how you can provide options uh, for students to um, to receive the content that you're providing mm -hmm. to them. Well, and I think that then also applies um, not only to the modality of synchronous and asynchronous, but also thinking about face-to-face -face classes versus online classes, whatever format the online class will take. Yeah, it's a, that's um, so. I, I think I talked a little bit earlier during the during the talk about uh, the debate about whether UDL requires technology or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so this idea of um, you know, I've, and I've I've read um, pieces that say both ways that mm -hmm. um, UDL doesn't require technology, and then another they'll say, well, yes, you 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 can't universally design without digital technology. Um, you know, I look at it as UDL benefits from the use of technology, and it can truly just come to fruition when technology is used to, to support learning. So that being said, when we think about um, a face-to-face -face environment, where we might consider it to be more of a, a low low tech environment, for, for example, such as what you might see in um, like a traditional uh, college classroom where there might be limited digital technology. Um, UDL applies to both. So you can, um, this the strategy that I had given uh, a little bit earlier about um, choosing group roles. Mm -hmm. uh, that can be that can happen in a face-to-face -face classroom. It can happen online, uh, in an, in a synchronous online classroom. It can happen when you um, have students work together uh, asynchronously, um, in working uh, to lead a discussion, for example. Um, and providing resources ahead of time works well both face-to-face -face and online. 
as well too. So if you're providing PowerPoints or Word documents ahead of time, uh, whether you're face-to-face, -face, whether you're online, it works the same way. Um, accessibility. Um, accessibility is crucial. Whether students are studying face-to-face, -face, whether they're studying online, um, same thing with reflection as well too, thinking about uh, reflecting on learning. Uh, it's important and can be done in the classroom. It can be mm -hmm. done outside the classroom. Uh, it can be done with or without digital technology and providing options as well for how students reflect with or without digital technology uh, can also um, be helpful in helping all students to be able to, to take part in the learning environment, the learning experience. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit more about the UDL Academy and your work with UDL training for faculty, staff, and administrators? Sure. So, um, so let me think where to begin, how to say this most concise way here. Um, so, uh, so from 2016 to 2019, um, I was fortunate enough to work with, uh, with a, a group of colleagues uh, from the Onondaga Pathways to Careers Project, uh, which was uh, funded through a grant from the Office of Disability Employment Policy from the U.S. Department of Labor. And uh, they funded the UDL Academy, which was a multi-day intense training in universal design for learning. And um, I was recruited to be a part of that um, when I was still working on my PhD. And I was able to... Um, I eventually became the faculty coordinator and lead instructional designer. We walked our participants, which can, which were uh, faculty, staff, and administrators, uh, through a instructional design model that we had that we had created to help them to be able to universally design uh, their instruction. And we asked them to think of a problem or a barrier that they might have had in mm -hmm. in their classroom. Think about a uh, a lesson that may not always go as well as they'd like or think about um, something that maybe they're just bored with at this point, that they find boring is not interesting anymore, mm -hmm. or they find students always have questions about. And to start there and to think, how can I redesign this unit of instruction through the lens of the UDL framework? And so we guide them through uh, training in um, disability awareness and etiquette, the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, through accommodations and understanding the student population at Onondaga Community College. Uh, but then we also train them, of course, in universal design for learning. And from there, we walked them through the process of analyzing the courses that they were teaching and analyze that unit of instruction that they found needed um, some redesign work. We walked them through how to design a UDL-based instructional intervention. And then we set them off throughout the summer to develop their instructional intervention, they implement in the fall, and then we help them to evaluate it. Nice. What were some of the biggest takeaways that you've seen from some of the participants? You know, where were the aha light bulb moments for, for some of the participants? Were there any recurring themes or things that stood out to you? So one of the first things I think that, uh, there were a few things that came out of the academy. First thing that I think of is um, we gave them time to workshop ideas with each other. Hmm. And so this was something that in many cases, um, some of them had worked with their colleagues to try to um, help make improvements for their, for their students. But it was now this opportunity to really share ideas with each other that they found, this is great, we're working now across, across departments. We're working even across disciplines within mm -hmm. our own departments for the first time in larger departments. Nice. Uh, and I think that was something that, that really um, hit home for many of them. I think that when we, um, I noticed that when we had a, we had two uh, forums as well 
that I haven't mentioned. One of them was a student forum where we invited uh, four students uh, with disabilities who came to speak about their experience mm. at Onondaga Community College. Uh, and as you can imagine, students are quite honest. Um, they will they will say what their experience has been. Mm. And it was very eye-opening for everyone that mm. was there to, to understand um, some of the highs and some of the lows, some of the things that had gone really well and some of the challenges as well too. And I think that that was very helpful as we as we worked with faculty and as the faculty themselves started to think about how can I make design changes uh, to my own courses, uh, keeping in mind these these four students that I just met, uh, if they were in my class, how am I going to address some of the barriers that they that mm -hmm. they may have faced in other courses that they've taken? Uh, in addition, after the first year, we um, had a UDL Academy alumni uh, forum as well too. And so we brought back some of the instructors nice. who had gone through the academy from previous years as well too. And they would talk about their experience going through the academy and choosing their instructional intervention that they wanted to create. So thinking about the unit of instruction that needed to be worked on. Um, and that was something that is tough. Oftentimes we're thinking about, so what are the problems that we have? What are some of the barriers that students face? Mm -hmm. It's hard to turn that mirror on yourself mm -hmm. and think about what are some things that I need to do? Um, and so that's also helpful. And for a lot of faculty, when they finally realize, oh my goodness, this is what I want to work on. That's that aha moment you talk about. Yeah. One of my one of my colleagues who, um, uh, we, she created a, a, an, an, an amazing video that you can actually find on YouTube if you were to search for uh, for for her information on there. She has a YouTube video that she created to help uh, her American Sign Language students to learn about the uh, the places on campus. Mm -hmm. So she actually took them for a campus tour, and it was. Um, it was signed and then she um, captioned it. Um, she put closed captions in English so that it could be followed by anybody who wanted to view it. And this is the sort of thing that this aha moment when she figured this out and then was able to share it with her students. And then when we go and you know go on to lockdown, she's still able to take them for this tour of campus, mm -hmm. even when we're away nice. from the campus yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. So we truly see now that this is something that was created in response to uh, a student who, um, who was unable to actually take the physical campus tour uh, because uh, of limited mobility. But then as a result, now this is something that all students mm -hmm. were able to use to study. This is something that now is being used in COVID-19. It's used when there's snow days. Mm -hmm. um, so it becomes, here's a primary benefit and here's a secondary. So it was yeah. an aha moment for mm -hmm. her as well too. Nice. And you know, one thing you you mentioned is the perspective of the students. And this actually reminds me of our last podcast episode where we talked about professional development for language educators and how so many times we forget to ask the students about what they think, right? And and what problems they face and what solutions they have. So I appreciate that you guys integrated the student perspective and simply asked, you know, what are some of the issues that you guys face? Yep. That's wonderful. What additional resources are out there for teachers? So on the PowerPoint that I shared today, uh, I do provide many additional resources at the end. Um, so there are additional resources there for accessibility, for universal design for learning, for captioning, um, and also some other additional resources that, um, uh, that anybody who's interested could consult. But in terms of things I'd recommend, if you're in higher education, uh, I definitely re recommend looking at UDL on campus. Uh, this is a, um, a site that CAST put out and they provide uh, examples that, uh, case studies and other examples from uh, from higher education. And so I'd recommend this as a site that anybody interested in universal design for learning can go and see um, what are some ways that this is being done on other campuses. Um, 
unfortunately, I don't see, uh, I have not seen examples there from languages. Mm. But the nice thing about that, though, is that uh, some of the um, solutions that they came up with to overcome some of the barriers in learning that students were experiencing could be applicable to mm -hmm. the language classroom as mm -hmm. well, too. For um, K-12 educators, uh, they could also look at the UDL guidelines page, um, also for higher, ed for higher education as well, too, where they can learn more about the UDL principles and guidelines. Uh, you can download materials, graphic organizers. Um, and in addition, there is a free uh, ebook as well, um, UDL, Universal Design for Learning Theory and Practice. Um, and it's available as a free ebook, and I provide a link to that as well, too. Um, and I'd suggest going and looking at that because what's nice about the free ebook as opposed to the, the paper text, which there is a paper text available, but the free ebook version contains videos hmm. and other supplementary mm -hmm. materials that help to take the information that's in that book and you can go further with that as well too. Case studies, um, examples of how to apply it in a K-12 learning environment, uh, that sort of thing as well too. So excellent resource. So what would your piece of advice be for somebody who is completely new to thinking about UDL? What's the one place where they start? Something that doesn't seem overwhelming, something that is easy to or easier to implement? Oh, wow. And the reason I'm struggling with this one is because I actually found it to be quite complex as as things go. I find the Universal Design for Learning framework to be rather complex. And so it did take me quite a while to really mm -hmm. get a grasp on everything, to really wrap my head around where do I even start? And what what does a UDL classroom look like? And so I think probably, I'm trying to think what I would recommend. I mean, I think that if you're really gonna start anywhere, the one place to start would be um, UDL Theory and Practice, the, the free book that I had mentioned. Um, I think there's an excellent resource. Um, it's a relatively quick read as well too, and it really covers everything you need. There are examples in there as well too of how it's applied to a classroom. Mm -hmm. Now again, that I'm pretty sure it's a K-12 example, so those in higher ed um, may want to look at another source such as UDL on campus. But I'd say that if you're gonna to go to one place um, and you have the time to read that book, I would suggest doing so. If you don't have the time to read the book, oh, wow. Um, Make time and read the book. <laughs> could be, yes. Angelica has spoken, everyone. There you go. I did find that it is a complex framework. It takes time. I think it takes time. And I don't know if I made this clear in the actual talk itself, but one thing I do recommend is trying to take a workshop or a training of some sort uh, to go through a one or two hour workshop of some sort. Uh, I'm hoping Actful will offer something mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. in the future. I'm hoping Actful or Calico potentially yeah. too, something that could be related to- um, Or IELT, all the options well or all three. There we go. Well, exactly. but Chris, I appreciate your honesty here because I do think that that people need to be aware of, you know, I, I think the term UDL and accessibility, they've been used so much since we went in, in remote insanity and then moved to some form of online teaching um, during COVID times. And I think people always assume that you switch, you flip a switch and all of a sudden you become an expert only by virtue of teaching online. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same with teaching online. That's, it's a craft. I mean, people, yeah. people have degrees in effective online course development and yeah. online language teaching. 
And so I appreciate that you are bringing that up, that it's the same with UDL, you know, it, it takes mm -hmm. time and it's, it's a constant effort. So Definitely. yeah, thank you for, for pointing that out. With accessibility, I took an entire course in mm -hmm. how to create accessible mm -hmm. and usable uh, digital materials. Mm -hmm. And so that's, mm -hmm. it is a challenging topic. Um, yeah. What I would say though, is it's important to start somewhere. So to start with, for example, start with uh, marking changes in language when it comes to accessibility, start with alternative text as well yeah. too. Um, start with making sure that videos are captioned. Talk to an instructional designer on your campus or your office of accessibility resources uh, and find out um, what resources are available to have mm -hmm. some of the videos for my courses captioned. Are there funds on campus to provide this so that I don't have to go through and, mm -hmm. and do this as an instructor who it may not be something that you're, that you're not sure, you may not know how to do it yourself. Um, asking help is very important as well. Um, and I'd say that starting with, with small strategies, um, yep. such as some of the ones that I've mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. is, a, is a great way to go as well, yep. too. Great. Yeah. Um, terrific. Uh, before we sign off, we'd just like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, love, or are learning. So please let us know what this word is. So a colleague of mine had asked me at one point what word I think of when I think of something that will um, give me strength or help me to become or help me to just be better in difficult mm -hmm. times. And she eventually had given us a, a rock, a little rock where she painted the word on there. And every time we look at it, we're supposed to um, think about that word and mm -hmm. it's something that will help calm us down. And so the word I put on there was family. And so mm -hmm. that's something that I find important. And that's something that when I think of the word family, it's something that uh, helps me to, uh, to, feel, to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say that that'd be the word I like, family. Wonderful. I love it. And very applicable to the time that we find ourselves in. Great. Well, Chris, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today. Thank you, Angelica. Thank you, Sam. Next week, we have Greg Green with us on our podcast. Greg is curator of the John M. Eccles Collection on Southeast Asia at the Cornell University Library and developed an app for learning Lao. We will discuss everything that goes into building a language learning app and even learn what it might take for would-be programmers to create one themselves. Until then, Auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.